The losing streak is over for the Phoenix Suns, and on today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down the win in Los Angeles at a desperately needed moment for these Suns. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Friday, closing out the week with a W. That feels good, I'm sure, for all of you. I'm sure it feels even better for this team. We'll break down the win in just a second. If you're finding us for the first time, go ahead and follow or subscribe. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, we're everywhere. The best way to keep us free and keep us on those platforms is just to go ahead and listen. We're here for you Monday through Friday, so do not miss a show in your feed. If you're on YouTube, hit the bell down below. Drop a comment with your thoughts on today's game. You can also follow along at LockedOnPHXSuns on Twitter. Today's show, guys, brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It was a 111 to 95 win, a very predictable win with how many players were out for the Clippers. But nevertheless, it was a much, much, much needed victory for the Suns after five straight losses, their worst losing streak in three years. Three full calendar years, they needed this one, all right? We're not going to do the moment of the game today because uh, the Suns led from the jump and it never really got that close. I would say I think the closest it got was 14 in the second half, even though the Clippers did outscore the Suns 58-47 to in that second half. It just didn't really matter. That said, what we will start off with is why the team needed this win, all right? It was a couple things specific to this game, and then it was a couple thing, things big picture. Uh, I think specific to this game, it was good to see, and if I had to pick a moment of the game, it would be Booker's reverse dunk in transition, stole the ball off of a Jason Preston pass, got out on the fast break, spun around and, and dunked it, Booker was not great in this game by any means. Six of 22 from the field, one of nine from deep, only one free throw attempt. Just, But he was out there, all right? And he looked healthy. It didn't look like he was forcing it. It didn't look like he was um, uncomfortable. I, I would imagine he's still getting his legs under him, whether the, even if the injury is fully recovered, he's now had, you know, more than a week if you go back to when he first started feeling the discomfort um, to now. It'll probably take him, you know, maybe another game or two to look like himself. But aside from that, you had Chris Paul also looking a little bit like more like the normal Chris Paul that we've seen. He got to the elbow two or three times for some mid-range jumpers. He was more uh, aggressive taking shots when they were there for him. 13 assists, which is really good to see. Just one turnover. He was really running the pick and roll at a high level. Now the defense trying to stop him was full of G-leaguers, so take that with uh, whatever ounce of salt you'd like. It still was true. 13 assists, 15.7 rebounds for Chris Paul. And then last but not least, you had Mikhail Bridges bouncing back, and that might be the biggest one of all because we don't know if we're going to, you know, 
see that version of Chris Paul on a night-in, night-out basis. Booker, this didn't really indicate anything about him long-term. I think he just is still getting over the hamstring. Bridges, though, he desperately needed to return to form. And I don't, again, like I didn't do a game recap show after the Rockets game. I don't think it's fair to pile onto a player like like Bridges who's taking on so much more responsibility this season after one bad game. But Eddie Johnson on the broadcast was saying, you know, we're not used to seeing, it might have been Kevin Ray. They were talking about it, the two of them, on the Bally Sports broadcast about how, oh, if we know anything about Mikhail Bridges, it's that he doesn't have two bad games in a row. Um, I guess, you know, the Pelicans game, the second Pelicans game, he was 10 of 23, I think his aggressiveness was good. I think the the taking of the shots was was promising. That was a good one, but he's had besides that if you call that good, which I probably would say on the whole it was even though his field goal percentage was still pretty low. Dating back to this entire losing streak, Mikhail has had a lot of weak offensive nights. 4 of 11 against Dallas, 2 of 12 uh, against the Celtics, 4 of 12 in the first Pelicans game and then of course against the Rockets 4 of 24. So they were making it sound like this guy's not capable or prone to whole stretches of poor shooting nights or poor offensive performances. That's not the case. He has been in the middle of a really bad slump, and so 11 of 18 from the field for Bridges was very good to see. Uh, The confidence was there. He was getting into the teeth of the defense, got to the line a few times that was promising and nice to see. I think all of his four free throw attempts were in the second half, Uh, and then... Um, two of five from three and a couple nice blocks at the rim. He just, it was a McHale game, right? It was, it was a classic McHale Bridges performance. And that's really what you wanted to see. Um, I don't think four of 23 is what kind of player he is, but I also think, like I said, he was in a slump. So you want to turn that around before it starts to drag on and, and really hurt the team. So the team needed this win, right? The other part of why they needed this wasn't just these individual components, but it was, they're going into uh, another difficult stretch. They were probably looking at these Houston L- this Houston LA end of the road trip as an opportunity to to get a couple wins. We know they lost to the Rockets, uh, so getting this one was was important because the schedule's not letting up. They have the Pelicans again coming up next, a back to back with the Lakers on the the first game. The Wizards is winnable, but it is going to be the second night of a back-to-back. I don't feel like either one of those games are automatic wins by any uh, means. Home against the Grizzlies, then you have at Denver, then at the Grizzlies. You have a little bit of an easy slate to start the East Coast swing of the road trip, but then you have Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland, Golden State, Denver, Minnesota, Memphis, Brooklyn, all in a row through the meat of January. So the schedule is going to be relentless. I talked a lot last week and into this week about how this Stretch is really a prove-it situation for some of these core players. Are you good enough for where we don't have to make big changes to the roster? I'm not saying the Clippers game tonight against no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, no Reggie Jackson even, etc., etc., is like saving the, the team or anything or you know being a big step of the prove-it stretch that we're in the middle of, but you couldn't allow this losing streak to keep adding on to itself, all right? You just, you couldn't afford that. The Suns are now, I just saw somebody, Shane Young of Forbes tweet this, that the Suns are now 6-0 and against Pacific Division opponents. They would have fallen below the Clippers in the standings 
if they had lost to the Clippers tonight. They didn't do that, obviously, and so they remain in good positioning in the standings. All of it is just what you want to do. They're, uh, they piled up an, a road win, which is nice, 5 of 9 now on the road, and uh, they're, they're treading water, right? They still didn't have DeAndre Ayton. They just couldn't have afforded to lose this one for all those reasons, and the way they did it, a lot of guys were able to get back on track. So that's all this game was about. They should have won it. They did, but you still can't take those for granted. We saw two Rockets games on the schedule and probably thought those were uh, automatic wins, and they lost both. So you can't take anything for granted in the NBA these days. On that note, on the NBA these days note, I want to talk about the way that the Clippers approach this game from a roster standpoint, the way the Suns approach this game from a roster standpoint. We'll do that in just a sec. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by the NHTSA, who want to remind you that if you're hanging out with some friends, maybe putting back a few drinks, remind yourself, a few can become too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, maybe you think of calling a ride, but no, maybe you live nearby. You think you can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, or maybe worse, you total your car. Maybe you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results can be tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop people from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. You know the deal. Prize Picks came in. They know people don't love the options out there, and they said, hey, we're going to make our own game. We're going to reinvent the entire gambling marketplace, the entire daily fantasy marketplace and give people a game that they can fall in love with. What you do is you pick two to six players and whether they will score more or less than their prize picks player projection. You can win up to $25, 25 times your dollars on any entry. So what that means is whether you like the NBA, NFL, MLB, the big sports, or you are a college basketball fan, men's or women's, you're a soccer fan, you're a NASCAR fan, you're a boxing, disc golf even and you go more or less than the projection. So in basketball, maybe that's more points than the projection or less points. Maybe in football, it's more rushing yards or less rushing yards. You can also do fantasy points. Prize Picks came in, reinvented it, and this thing is super fun. So download the Prize Picks app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play this awesome new daily fantasy sports game. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That means if you deposit $100, Prize Picks matches that gives you $100 right in your pocket. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So coming into this game, the Suns obviously got Devin Booker back. He missed two games with a hamstring, what they called hamstring tightness in his left hamstring. Talked earlier in the week about how that's just par for the course uh, in Devin Booker's career. About December or January, he tends to miss a handful of games with hamstring tightness. Sometimes it's that even worse 
moments. He missed, obviously, uh, most of the Pelican series last year, et cetera, et cetera. They decided to bring him back. He's He could have just waited it out, come back in on the road, uh, avoided coming back in on the road, I should say, and returned on Saturday for a little bit of a homestand, four-game homestand, all throughout next week. Instead, they put him in, right? Not only that, Booker played 35 minutes. He played a bunch of the fourth quarter when this game was already out of hand. Paul did the same, although, you know, he he's back. He, he wasn't returning today, but 36 minutes for him as well. 39 for Bridges, which is normal. He's an Iron Man, but nevertheless still notable. Um, they probably did that with Booker, at least, because they didn't know what to expect from the Clippers. And maybe they should have known, but it was an extreme level of load management today for a team that has basically become, I would say, the poster team for injury management, load management, whatever we want to call it these days in the league. And I don't even think I can remember all the guys that were out in this game. Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Kawhi Leonard, I named. But it was enough to fill up an entire page. Ivica Zubats was also out. Norman Powell was also out. And Luke Kennard was also out. All right. And I will say, obviously, Campaign and DeAndre Ayton both got injured in the last game. They did, they did not play in Los Angeles tonight. But bringing Booker back the way they did, playing guys as much as they did, it was a very stark contrast. And so it got me thinking, you know, I think maybe it doesn't help uh, that the Clippers play these 7.30 local time games and anyone that's not on the Pacific Coast ends up being uh, grumpy of how late the game starts. But I think this all plays into it. I think, you know, it's on NBA TV. It's a late game. It's a marquee matchup that even though it is on the second night of a back-to-back for the Clippers, which obviously had a big part in why they they handled the injury report this way. I do think we're at a point where it's crossing into uh, the absurd. Now, we know uh, Greg Popovich and other guys, it's not the first team to ever do this, but it is, at least in those days, you would know for the most part, all right, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, you know, maybe one or two other guys, but... Mostly just those three were going to be the players to rest. In this case, that is effectively the entirety of the the Clippers starting lineup did not play tonight. Between Kawhi, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Ivica Zubats, that's four-fifths of their starting five. The only one who did play was Marcus Morris. What I'm getting at is the Clippers just came into their a home game for themselves. NBA TV is not, you know, egregious, but it is a game that more than just local fans have access to. You know, a game that had something going for it. You know, again, the Suns are now 6-0 in the division. This is the second matchup between these two teams. The Suns have now won both. You could easily see these teams. They're right now are neck and neck in the standings. This game would have allowed the Clippers to overtake the Suns in the standings. It wouldn't be crazy if a tiebreaker mattered by the end of the year. And the Clippers said, no. To hell with it. We are not, we're not even going to try to win. I mean, when you, when you sit this many players, you are expecting a loss. The sun, the, the Clippers decided to lose tonight. 
You know, this was, again, not just Kawhi. You know, I was even looking at Clippers reporters and Clippers fans and stuff online to make sure, okay, am I just overreacting? Is this normal? And the guy who does Locked On Clippers, for instance, for our network was saying, like, even he wasn't sure that Paul George would have missed this game. He figured at least PG was going to be avoiding the injury management stuff this season. You know, uh, he, Norm Powell has been out with this same injury. If, if I'm remembering correctly, Achilles inflammation for Reggie Jackson. All right. You know, but Luke Kennard was questionable. So it's like, even if you just put Paul George and Luke Kennard in, and let's say the rest of these guys, I mean, Zubats was questionable too. Let's say you put him in like all the guys who are questionable and then you don't rest PG. The game is a lot more competitive, right? You're at least saying, all right, some of our players have legitimate stuff they're dealing with. Let's try to put out the other guys. I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but this team has a track record with it. This injury report was so egregious. And once again, what you're doing, what you're telling your fans is you might as well not have come. You might as well not have tuned in. The Suns fans watching this game, any NBA fan who was excited about this matchup or whatever, although there's fewer and fewer of those because of things like this, you're just saying it's an F you to those people. You know, it's not just, again, okay, you're not going to see Tim Duncan because he's old and and we don't want him to, to injure himself, but you're still going to see Danny Green. You're still going to see, coincidentally, Kawhi Leonard, right? Um, at, in those later years of the Spurs dynasty. It's, no, you're not seeing anybody and we're going to lose. Have a good night. You know, it's, it's crazy. That all said, and I know we don't normally do these types of conversations uh, in post-game shows, but I think it's really relevant today. And I think to bring it full circle back to the Suns, they handled it completely the opposite. And so <laughs> I'm in this position tonight where it's like, it's one of those okay, but situations, right? It's like, okay, Monty, right? Like I'm all on board with if Booker feels okay playing, we know he is a competitor. We know like Dwayne Rankin was out uh, at practice yesterday and at shoot around this morning showing Booker kind of taking those baby steps toward returning. He's not a type of player who's going to sit if he can play. Like even in game six of that Pelican series last year, you could tell it was iffy. He was almost a decoy in that series because he was still clearly dealing with the hamstring injury, but he wanted to be out there. I don't expect any different, but here's where the buck comes in. You cannot in good, in good faith or in with the best intentions in mind, play a player coming back from an injury like that who has a history with this stuff, 35 minutes, keep him out there for the whole fourth quarter. Chris Paul, who, yes, he's been back for a few games. Yes, he looked a little more like himself in the pick and roll tonight, rotating on defense, etc. But he is still somebody who just missed a month and is not going to ever get any younger, you know? So it's very interesting to compare and contrast. I would say if I'm making a determination, I don't think either franchise necessarily handles this stuff the right way. And I also don't think there's any right way to do it. I think you have to put do what you think is going to put yourself in the best position to win come playoff time and be in good position to win come playoff time. The Suns clearly prioritize the chemistry, the competitiveness, the pride, the home court advantage, the standing stuff of putting their best guys out there for as much time as they possibly can every single night. The Clippers don't seem to care about that stuff nearly as much. They are treating this as a marathon rather than a sprint. 
they also have not necessarily gotten to the promised land either. This game is just such an illustration of how weird and twisted up the NBA regular season has become. The way teams prioritize games versus don't prioritize games has gotten all screwed up. And it really hurt the game tonight. This was not a fun game to watch. And it was the Clippers' fault. But then I'm also the one yelling at the TV, why the heck is Kevin Booker still on the floor with two minutes left in the fourth? So I guess it's a big shrug. But what I can say is I can't imagine it feels too good for Clippers fans, people who bought tickets to that game, because it sure didn't feel good to me watching. Let's close things out with the Benchmop Vibe Check. We have several people to check in on. We'll do that. Right after a quick word from betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, news, and analysis all year long. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to the college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. The fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. I want to find the Cardinals uh, Broncos line just because I want to make everybody laugh. This Cardinals season is just uh, completely in the dumpster. They are three-point underdogs on the road in Denver. The Cardinals are uh, getting uh, their plus 135 on the money line. The over-under in this game is 37. That feels like a a nice bet to go under on. I could see the Broncos winning this game like 13 to 10. I will not be tuning in, but maybe you want to win some money on it or any of the other wonderful sporting events going on around the world, including the World Cup finals this weekend. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's betonline.net, betonline, where the game starts. Today's show also brought to you by My Solar Nerd. If you live in Arizona, you know how common it is, how frustratingly common it is. People walk up to you telling you that they can give you free solar. They're knocking on your door. They're telling it to you on the street, whatever it might be. But the truth is they're just misleading you. They're trying to overcharge you. My Solar Nerd, on the other hand, their mission is simple. Help you get the best solar system to fit your needs. The guys at MySolarNerd.com are really, truly local, and they understand the nuances of going solar here in Arizona. They believe that a happy customer is an educated customer, and their no-pressure approach will make sure all your questions get answered. They believe that in Arizona, switching to solar should mean saving money. Once you're ready, they'll put their industry knowledge to work for you and get you the best equipment warranties and installers in their network. They'll also help you figure out all the credits and incentives you may qualify for on the back end so that your transition is as smooth as possible. Our listeners will get a $50 Amazon gift card when you book a no-commitment evaluation. This promotion only for locked-on listeners and only for homeowners. Unfortunately, no solar panels on your apartment complex as we all know, visit mysolarnerd.com, select Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. Make the switch to solar on your terms. Start your research process today by visiting mysolarnerd.com and show Locked On some love by letting them know we sent you. Folks, going solar doesn't need to be complicated, and mysolarnerd.com makes it easy. Benchmob Vibe Check here to close out this recap show of the Suns' 111-95 win. Getting back in the win column, ending this five-game losing streak. We have a few players to check in as it pertains to the bench. We got to start with the man of the hour, Josh Akogi. Another double-double for him. Another strong performance from top to bottom. At one point, he was tied for the team lead in plus-minus. The Clippers just had nothing going for themselves off the bench, frankly. I'm not even 
They didn't really have much going on in the way of the starters either, but the bench was particularly ugly, relying on guys like Brandon Boston, etc. But even that takes away from Akogi's night because he was not just on the floor with the bench units. I would actually say that Okogi's best minutes came with the starters. There was a, basically what Monty rode as the quote-unquote starting unit, the main lineup in the second half had Landale in at the five instead of Biombo who started, and then Okogi in at the forward second forward spot next to Mikhail Bridges uh, over Torrey Craig who started. Both Biombo and Craig did have foul trouble, so I want to kind of preface it that way. Biombo was, you know, his normal level of energy. Torrey Craig hit a nice three at one point when the score was, you know, getting a little tight. But other than that, I think Okogi and Landell outplayed them. I think Okogi especially, it's no coincidence that he got minutes over Craig because the more that I watched this, this guy and the way that he's uh, settling into this team, he's, he's what Torrey Craig needs to be. Like, I don't think that's necessarily f- quite fair to Torrey Craig because he's done some good things. He's, he's having a pretty decent season overall. But in terms of the energy, the athleticism, um, the versatility, I think Akogi is a, a mile above Torrey Craig, frankly. You know, Craig is a guy who we think of as like Monty's been talking his offensive rebounding up all season, but you know, is I don't even know if he's averaging that many per 36 minutes. Torrey Craig is averaging three offensive rebounds per game. Akogi is averaging four. Even a guy like Landale is averaging four. Uh, Aiton is averaging four. So I don't think Craig is making a big, a huge difference there. Craig is making 38% of his threes, which is really strong on the season. Uh, Akogi is slowly creeping up above a quarter of his threes made on the year. After tonight, he'll probably be around 27, 28%. So that's a pretty big difference. But then you add on top of it the versatility on defense, the functional athleticism to actually have the strength and athleticism affect the game. I think that's an area where... Like, Tori has this thing, and it's not even to, you know, throw shade or be so personal about it, but it's like he likes to joke around that he's the strongest guy on the team. And that's something that's always struck me about watching Tori Craig, even dating back to when I think a lot of NBA fans maybe first noticed him, which was in the bubble in the conference finals with that Nuggets team that made a run. He's guarding LeBron, and LeBron is, I understand LeBron is, a, a, a legend, a physical specimen, etc. But Craig is like physically, you look at him, you're like, ah, that's a guy who you would probably want to be guarding LeBron James. But no, he got bowled over. His strength doesn't affect the game. His athleticism doesn't, you don't feel it. And Akogi, you do always. He had two nice putback dunks in this game. He had uh, in the last game against Houston, a ridiculous um, block over a, of a jump shot where he just caught the ball in midair. Like you really notice those athletic plays happening. And when you toss in the fact that he kind of knows where to be on the court and whatnot to grab those offensive rebounds, to make those defensive plays, I think he's just, 
you're seeing a player who is understanding that jump shooting is not going to be the best way that he impacts the game. And he needs to get better there to have any chance of staying on the court in big moments. But he also plays like somebody who knows he's not a good shooter. And that's such a key thing. It's what guys like Gary Payton and others have been able to adapt to. I would even say Andre Iguodala toward the end of his career. These guys where it's like, I'm not going to be able to be a knockdown spot up shooter, but I'm going to do as much of every single other thing on the court as a role player so that you don't notice that weakness as much. And I can get minutes. I think we're watching that evolution with the Kogi and the jump shots getting better over the course of the season. I mentioned it's been ticking up every so often. It looks a lot more fluid. The misses are not nearly as ugly. So everything is trending in the right direction. Let's quickly hit on Jock Landale as well. Um, because I do think this, these these guys are, are paired up, not just because they happen to play a lot tonight because of the foul trouble from the other two, but if you're going to play a Kogi in more lineups, I think that has to mean Landale plays. Because if you're looking at bench lineups where you have a Kogi and uh, you know a Bismack Biombo, let's say in a couple you know, two to four weeks or whatever, when Cam Johnson gets back and Craig is back on the bench, he's not a great shooter. Like you, you can't stack too many not great shooters on top of each other. So Landell's ability to pick and pop, to be a little bit of a dribble handoff threat, all those things is a better matchup to play alongside a Kogi. And Landell has been a little better. I think for him, it's just confidence. Okay. He, if you if you ever go early to a Suns game and in, in a home game, you'll see this. You can see it sometimes over the course of actual games. His confidence is just so hit or miss. And there's some of these guys where you, they just wear it on their sleeve, and it's tough to watch. It must be even tougher to to deal with, live with it. Um, but it feels like he's getting back to a positive place with his confidence. Tonight, he made a three, which has been few and far between for him. He was 50% from the field. A very good, productive game. You'd hope he could build on that. Those are two guys that I think you look, okay, the bench has been struggling again lately. Who's going to get them out of that? I think those two are guys you have to keep giving minutes to if you're Monty Williams and try to build some continuity in this bench for when these players start to get back. Um, Dwayne Washington will be a, a... a wild card there. Obviously, campaign is back in a bench role. And then when Cam Johnson gets back, what happens when the trade for Crowder eventually happens? All these things. You want to have guys where they're comfortable, they take ownership and move it along. That'll do it for today's show. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen to close out the week. Now go make Locked On Sports today your second listen to get caught up on everything else going on around the whole world of sports. And I will talk to you guys next week.